Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Drew Meredith, we are rolling for this two cents episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. We have a lot to get through today, mate. We are going to be talking crypto, I think. We've got questions <laughs> sent in. We have a lot of company results. Um, we've got you buying Fang. Bought Fang. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, we're recording this Friday, November 11th. And uh, I dare say, credit to you, Drew, for buying the Fang. Is it the Fang ETF? Is that you bought? Time in the market or timing the market? Yeah, it's all about timing. Not really, but it was, let's just say it was fortuitous. That's my new word. Fortuitous of you to buy that yesterday after the Fed, was it the Fed came out and inflation's not as high as expected? Yeah, I just, uh, I've been thinking about it for a while. I kind of was wary of having, buying Meta, but you know, it's part of the, the FANG ETF. I think it's the Global X one. And I just went for it yesterday, put something like 10% of my super fund, which uh, when I explained to my wife today, not very much money. <laughs> Even 10% of my super fund. <laughs> so when you say 10%, it's bigger. 10%. 10%. Yeah, right. Uh, and it just happened to be perfectly timed with the NASDAQ jump 7.5% overnight. So so it just went to, um, it went, it's up 5% today. Yeah. So that means it's now Retire early. 25% of your portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> if my math serves me correctly, Indeed. this is finance. We do numbers. No, so that's good. That's great. And inside the FANG ETF, you get about 10 stocks, don't you? You get the, the FANG stocks, but you also get a couple of... Chinese stocks from memory? Yeah, from memory, Tencent and Alibaba in there. Twitter was used, used to be in there. I think Microsoft Twitter was removed. Yep, yeah, Microsoft. It's just basically, I, you kind of view them as utility companies yeah. almost. Um, but Transport a, for the internet. A safer proxy for the NASDAQ maybe. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, you don't get all the huge stock-based compensation gushing tech stocks that sit in that mid-rift. I mean, yeah, Netflix is down, what, 60%, which is in there. Facebook's down... 40, 50%. Uh, mm. Apple's the only thing that hasn't been down. So, I think I, I think I, you know, uh, Ren from Equity Mates, I think I bet him a six pack on Osby's live TV that Meta would become a, a trillion dollar company. It was, wasn't it? I don't think so. For a little while. I th- <clears throat> For a day? Maybe. I. Let's have a look at it. What is it now? It got close. Oh, it's like the biggest... 296 Wealth destru- destruction in history, yeah. 
Holy mackerel. No, we don't talk about that. Obviously, that's mark to market, not... When you say mark to market, you mean like Mark Zuckerberg to market? Or <laughs> might go back up. <laughs> I don't well, yeah, I mean, it's got like zero... Wasn't... Uh, didn't Jim Cramer come out and almost... Was, he, was this the stock that he was crying about? I'm serious. Well, shouldn't, shouldn't laugh at no, crying. We're, we're not crying. Like, he was obviously... I feel so bad for people that have to do a job like us, Drew. We had, there are so many good things about it, but there's also the whole thing. You come out and say, oh, Meta's interesting, and then it falls... 80%. Yeah, and you think, wow, like, that's terrible, but... 65%. Yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, so today uh, we've got questions that you have sent through um from now on we're going to do a little bit of a prize if you do send in the question and your question is voted the funniest by drew and i on air you get a a free pass to our value investor program that's a 499 dollar course on the rask education site teaches you everything about fundamental investing valuation and the like you get one of those um so make sure you yeah keep your name funny and uh, we'll give you a shout out if you win so what have you been working on lately other than buying Fang stock, <laughs> other than other than buying, just trying to keep keep up with what's happening in the market this week. Um, like a few technical analysis. <laughs> oh, you've had take Origin Energy got a takeover offer. Um, NAB reported, crypto went crazy. It's kind of one of those consolidation weeks, and then obviously you know regular client meetings. And I, I put forward an idea today that it's never been a better time to invest. Wait, are you ever. saying you? Wait, you're saying, is that like a general statement? Now is the best time to invest? Or are you saying there was a particular thing that was the best thing to invest in? I think now it's just a good time to invest. I tend to agree. I was a bit yeah. early on that call, probably <laughs> a little while ago. <laughs> Three years. I'm like, every day is the best time to invest. Um, but yeah, what makes you think that? Well, I had a couple of conversations with clients this week, naturally older retirees. Mm. And you get this constant comment that's the same, which is, uh, given what's going on at the moment, should we, you know, wait a little while until a lot of these issues are resolved? And, you know, Ukraine, no. energy crisis. And the simple answer is no, there will always be enough reasons to never invest in the market. These these issues will be replaced by other issues. Uh, and by the time they're all resolved, the market will be 30 or 40% higher and you'll still be thinking about it. And what tends to happen on the other side is, the market will go up 10% because one of those issues will go away, like inflation did overnight. And then the response will be, oh, well, it's too late now. The market's yeah. gone up 10%. Yeah. So you still, I think I've said it every time, you, you look back 15 months ago, term deposits are better, bonds are investable again, equities are cheaper. Mm-hmm. If you're deploying capital, now is a perfect time. Do you, ever, do you ever get those, I mean, you come across them, I see them all the bloody time, is like those back tests that people do. They're like, these are the returns over the last 20 years, but if you just avoided these five bad days, and you're like, yeah, well, how would Impossible. I have known that those were the five bad days? And then they go, and, but then there's the, the converse is true if yeah. they do the same thing. And if you didn't invest on these five days, you wouldn't have Zero got a return. Yeah. So you've got to be in the market, basically, unless you have, are an oracle. You just need... Like what a lot of our time is focused on, which is what you talk about a lot, get your core right, get 80% of your portfolio invested, put mm. that to the side, make sure that's comfortable. And then if you feel like timing, like me buying the FANG, that's not my core. That's you know a 10% or a 20% kind of timing or call it fun money um, yeah. that you're playing around the edges. But if your core is there, the most returns come from compounding and being in the market in multiple asset classes. Yeah. 
Um, do you know UDLs have been going since 1965? <laughs> I did not know that. I just figured that out. That's impressive. I'm um, not drinking a UDL. <laughs> yeah, Drew's not drinking a UDL. Um, so, yeah, so we have uh, stuff we've been working on on my side of the fence. Uh, we had Luke Larrative on the show from Seneca Financial Solutions, talked about lithium companies. I think that's going to be really popular because it's a bit frothy at the moment. Uh, Adam Grotzinger came on, talked about his scenario for US uh, inflation, which was quite, I would say, is, was quite upbeat. And this was before, obviously, we had the recent news that was recorded a few weeks ago. Um, so that's good. Um, we've got a lot of interviews coming up. We've got Donnie Buchanan from Lake House. We've got Hayden Smith from Perla, Blair Hannon from Global X. We've got Tom King who's from Nanook. We've got a heap. We've got Will Bayless as well, Martin Curry. We've got a lot coming up. So plenty of great interviews. If you do have a question for us, the easiest way to send us a question is to just jump into your podcast player after you're listening to this, after you're done listening to this, click the thing that says "Ask a Question" or on any of the Rask websites, ask a question. Try to make your uh, your question funny, and we'll um, yeah, we'll we'll take a look at it and we'll, we'll tell you what we think. Obviously, we don't know your personal circumstances, so in no way can we give you personal advice through a podcast. Uh, so it's always important to speak to a financial planner like Drew, or your trusted financial advisor before you act on the information. Uh, I did watch Little Nicky the other day, which is an Adam Sandler movie, and that was eye-opening. Uh, I hadn't seen that since I was about 10. So that was interesting. Um, and other than that, the things that I found interesting this week is, uh, why, don't I, why don't I kick off something that I did not give you any notice of, Drew, which is Zero. Zero came out with results yesterday. Yep. And the CEO quit. CEO announced that he's stepping back. He is doing it in a pretty orderly way. Ironically, how's this? His name's Steve Vamos. I pitched him to come to our event in two weeks in Melbourne, and it took a lot longer than it should have to get a response, but I guess now I know why. Should have shorted. Should have shorted the, oh, shorted the event, maybe. I'm already doing that. <laughs> um, so um, no, we, uh, we got a response from... Uh, so Lee Matthews is coming. I, I know you're like, what? <laughs> why Lee? Lee Matthews, AFL legend. I'm, I'm going to bring a red thread to things, but I'm not sure how. <laughs> I think he... I'm pretty sure Lee Matthews was the one that someone out there listening is going to be like, you got this wrong. I'm pretty sure he's the one that ran into the, the point post at <laughs> Glenferry Oval and snapped the, snapped the pole. <laughs> so That's a metaphor he's a, he's, for... He's a, he's a hard fella. <laughs> and he's coming. So he's coming to the event in Melbourne on December 9th. It's a Friday night. There's going to be a few uh, cocktails flying around that night, maybe even some UDLs. Uh, <laughs> and so he's going to be talking with the guys from Equity Mates live on stage at the event. Uh, Drew and I will be there. I'm dragging Drew along. We've also got the likes of uh, Victoria Devine, Australia's biggest podcaster, and um, it's an all-around gun. We've got um, some stock ideas coming through the live stream as well. Everything will be live streamed, but you, if you are in Melbourne or if you are interstate and you want to come down for a Christmas party because you don't have one yourself, this is your opportunity. Tickets are dirt cheap at 39 bucks. Um, there are only 250 seats or like spots, though, so I apologize in advance. Um, we've got Scott Phillips, Claude Walker will be dialing in. We've got everyone that we can you can think of. It's going to be fun. It's going to be heaps of fun. So that's what I've been working on. Thank heavens I'm not an event planner because that is so stressful. Um, but, mate, yeah, Zero's results, they were, I would say, they spooked everyone. And the stock fell around about, I think at one stage I looked, I think it was about 10% down. I, I can't remember exactly what it ended down. But people, as usual, when it comes to Zero, they're freaked out about, lack of profitability um the the two other things that i identified other than the ceo one was the net additions of new subscribers in the uk in particular was weak but we knew this i mean if you just look at the uk economy there'll be a big clue 
about what's going on over there. Um, and the other thing I would say is the expenses. Yeah. People were a bit like, oh, I, this is, seems like it's a bit excessive. Like, what's your view to profitability? Yeah. Um, so profit matters again. Yeah, profit matters. And yeah. that's the market. They only lost $16 million profit, but I'm sure cash flow is much more negative. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, this is a $10 billion company, which <coughs> is not profit- profitable, air quotes. You can't see them if you're listening, but not profitable. But By choice, though. Yeah, I think... Yeah, that's it. It's by choice. This is one of the few companies in, in Australia that could be that can be like, yeah, we're not profitable and we're fine with that. Yeah. You know, whereas 90% of other companies, you would want to really seriously question that idea. Um, I think there are only three things or two things that really matter for zero. The most important thing is churn. Yeah. How many customers are they losing? It's just like any business. How many customers are you losing? That's the first thing. That is incredibly low. And the second thing is how many customers are you, customers are you adding? Yeah. Those are the two things that matter. If you boil it down, those are the two things that matter because if they increase prices too fast on their customers, you know their churn will go up. That means they have no pricing power. If they have, if they have higher prices or if their product's not good, you're not going to get customers. So the net additions is going to be lower. I think you said three things. Yeah, well, the other thing would be management but because um, <laughs> you've got to manage it to profitability. But those are, the, those are the two things that principally matter on the financial statements. Everything else that you get in there is like a lot of noise. And the challenge for them is every jurisdiction they go to, they there's different tax law, right? So they have to put a lot of R&D into redesigning their back end or their systems for that new country, essentially. Yeah. But once they get return on that, it scales, as you can see, where all yeah. of our businesses use it. Yeah, is it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Like, I know that like all of the businesses in here, like if I receive an invoice or there's some sort of expense or something, you all use zero, so it all hooks up, Yeah, um, which is super cool. But the, yeah, I mean, if you go from Australia, like New Zealand to Australia is not much of a difference. If you go from Australia to UK, it's not much of a difference. But if you go to, from the UK to US, it's completely different. Every 50 states. Yeah, you're going to get a, it's like a, a mixed bag, which is why Canada's really interesting. Uh, Canada's really interesting from a unit economics perspective. I think one of the comments was uh, that... Basically, they're probably 20% of the way through to the cloud transition to accounting compared to, say, Australia or New Zealand, which is something that you don't think of because you've got all these huge tech stocks and whatever in North America. You think, oh, they're so sophisticated. But when it comes to this one particular thing, no. And that's why Intuit was playing catch up with QuickBooks for quite a few years. Yeah. So obviously, I own shares. I'm conflicted as anything. So you can see that and you can hear that in the way I'm talking. I still own shares. To be honest, my valuations between you know, 65 and if you nudge the nudge the growth rate up a bit, it's between 65 and 80 bucks. So an Aussie success story. It's Aussie success story that yeah, happened to just born start. In, born in New Zealand. Just happened to be born in New Zealand. It's got Australian citizenship. So Russell Crowe. Yeah, that's it. yeah, mate. So it depends if he's on a good day. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so <laughs> that is it. That's zero. Uh, NAB, NAB reported this week following Westpac and ANZ and... Uh, Macquarie, which we, we've already covered Macquarie. We already covered ANZ. What about NAB? It was pretty good. Uh, they call, they call uh, is it Ross McEwen, the CEO that came in two or three years ago? They call him Mr. Clean. Oh. Not, not in a derogatory way, <laughs> okay. in, a, in, a, in a positive way. That he's, <laughs> basically, I think he came out of rebuilding banks in Ireland following their, their debt crisis over there. Mm-hmm. And he's all about simplification. You know, the bank got, what, revenue was up 9%. Loans were up nine, deposits were up 13, everything was reasonably positive. The share price didn't do much, but I mean, the challenge you've seen for the banks this year is the net interest margin. 
So NABs is still quite low, 1.65%. Yep. But <clears throat> majority of these lost their interest margin early this year as they're mm. all competing for loans. And as interest rates have gone up, that margin is starting to increase. But they're all being pretty conservative <clears throat> and forecasting challenging period next year for property, which would be challenging for both how many more loans they can make and potentially some loans going into... Impairment. You know, yeah, exactly. But still no increase in impairments. Yeah, the the ugly duckling here seems to be Westpac with its results. Yeah. Because it kind of went backwards on most of the things like cash earnings and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, all across the board, dividends are up. NAB's dividend, its uh, dividend was up marginally, like a few cents. It's tw- about 20% increase. Yeah. 20% increase, right. Yep. But it, I was comparing it to pre-GFC, it's not... Still not quite pre-COVID. Still a little bit off. Which is kind of what you want from these. If they're just going to cut it during COVID, you want them to come back slowly, not just jump straight back up. And I think they were looking for an excuse to cut the dividends, to be honest. They were paying out so much. They'd cut dividends and raise capital and then made bumper profits. It was kind of that contradictory. What about Westpac? Westpac, we've always preferred. We've never been holders of Westpac and it was kind of... Who owns Westpac? Everyone else. It's like 10% of the benchmark or 7% of the benchmark. So, right. Vanguard. Vanguard. <laughs> I shares is what not just Vanguard. Yeah, not just uh, it's just a big part of the bench. I think it's growing the slowest. NAB was probably in, in a worse position five years ago, but yeah, it, you, get in that, and yeah, yeah. you get in that recovery story in NAB. CBA is just the best brand. ANZ has essentially been somewhat of a basket case for the last few years. And they're yeah. buying Suncorp. And Westpac used to be number two to CBA, but NAB seems to be chasing them down mm. yeah it, it, I think NAB might even be the second biggest bank now by market cap if I'm not mistaken uh, and business bank right I think a lot yep. of them recognised a few years ago that business banking was their opportunity yeah 99 bill market cap CBA still streets ahead though um, 180 billion so it's quite from a market cap perspective it's chalk and cheese business earnings are up 20% so it was massive part of their business they just make it easy yep. I think the, the key threat to NAB's dominance there is CBA yeah they, um, but it's like the challenger banks now, like judo and all that. But it's still those two are the main game in town. I, yeah, I, that ANZ was yeah ten years ago. Jeez, wow, they can't. They're falling over their feet to provide loan. Like they they weren't able to provide loans for most of the last the boom of the last eighteen months. Yeah, there's a lot. I remember when we were t- chatting to a mortgage broker that he was saying it's like yeah three months. Yeah, just to make a mortgage that you could get from Macquarie in four weeks. Yeah. Anyway, um, I've got Macquarie. I've got a Macquarie mortgage, so that's why I mentioned Macquarie. Um, what do you think about the property market, though? When so they're all talking about the outlook for property. There's predictions of fifteen to twenty percent fall. Yeah, Are you worried about that? But we've already seen some of that in the high end, particularly yeah. like around Sydney and places where it's much more affluent. Yeah, we've we've seen that happens because there's fewer buyers. Yeah, yeah. Or it just doesn't sell. Yeah, that's it. Because it's yeah. like the liquidity. It's like anything with less liquidity. It falls off. I was chatting to Pete Wardge and Property Economist on the other channel a few months, probably about a month or two ago. Yeah. And he was saying, we've already seen it. Yeah, yeah. In some parts, it's 10%. We've already seen. At least, yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I was talking to someone this week uh, who were slightly positively geared, but they're <laughs> actually starting to have problems with their tenants. So yeah. now you've got higher interest costs. You've got rents that maybe are going up if they can, but... If you're narrowly making a profit, or you've got a, you're negatively geared, and you're, now you're becoming, becoming massively negatively geared because uh, interest is going higher, it's starting to. Uh, there's a risk that it makes people start making kind of emotional or shorter-term decisions with yeah. property and kind of capitulating into that is what we see the risk as. Yeah, interesting. Um, 
Would, are you ever a buyer of property? Like, do you ever invest in property, direct property? I don't know. I think I've been taught to hate leverage, even though leverage is good. <laughs> depends, uh, so just yeah. pay, I'm just trying to pay off all of my mortgage and using it in probably in businesses. Or, uh, but I think we've owned commercial property before, strata, you know, offices. Mm-hmm. Um, always the more passive things. Mm. I probably just hate people. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky we're in the well, studio and soundproof. Yeah, residential. <laughs> no pro- one's listening. I don't think. You get uh, tenants. <laughs> I, I've got a dog and a cat. I'd hate to be a be if I was someone else's tenant with my dog and my cat leaving hair everywhere oh yeah um, good times like, imagine all the things that come up and I'd be complaining about the gutters and the <laughs> the leaking <laughs> tiles and that's what I hate about I probably hear the the negative side in advice more so than yep. the positive yeah uh, you know the troubles you have with property well yeah you don't really hear that they paid their rent for 11 of the 12 months do you hear that yeah. they didn't pay their rent for one month yeah yeah so um, yeah interesting uh, I think yeah a lot of people, you know, I, was, I had um, Kerry Craig from uh, JP Morgan on the Self Off Live show the other day, and uh, he's on there talking about interest rates, inflation, blah, blah, blah. And the everyone wanted to know about property in the chat, which is a fair thing because it's the biggest asset in most people's lives. But it all basically comes back to property when <clears throat> pardon me, people think about macro. Yeah. And I think for, for most of us, like if you're not selling, like it's and you, just, your, your debt's manageable. Like you, you'll be fine. Just button, you tighten your belt for yeah. a while. Yeah, just pay the, pay it, pay it, and that's what you got to do. And uh, it, there is weakness, obviously, it's weakness on the margin. Uh, but CBA did, did come up when they came out with their results a couple of months ago and showed like the tail of that, you know, who bought recently type thing. And sure, there were some people there, but it wasn't nearly as bad as I was expecting. I think yeah. there's a tweet on that, um, so you can go and check that out. Uh, I think we should get to questions, Drew, because we've been rambling for 20 minutes. Um, but it's been good. Um, I don't know what this... You've made a comment in our questions here saying White Lotus, and I just Googled that, and I think that's a Netflix documentary? No, not a documentary, a comedy. Uh, dramedy? Would you call it a dram- dramedy? Dramedy. A drama comedy. What's it on? Binge. Yeah, yeah White right. Lotus was exceptional. I think that maybe that was in lockdown last year. 89% re- review. Yeah, really tomorrow. dark, funny... Yeah, right. Like, okay. Yeah. I like that. Definitely. Okay, here's just a bit. I'm going to catch you completely off guard. If you were Googling a movie that you're thinking about watching tonight or whatever, which review site do you trust? Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah? Yeah, same. Not IMDb. Everything's positive on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, some people go with the Google users one too, which I think's probably my second, but Rotten Tomatoes definitely for me. If you do have, um, if you do think that's controversial, please write into Drew. Uh, he's... he's uh, Twitter is dmidi13. Yeah, I'm going to rename that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so if I had to pick a movie, it'd be Eurotrip anyway. Eurotrip. Yeah, right. Okay. That's dangerous. Okay. Um, okay. So Jacob Lyons has a question. Thank you, Jacob. I've got 20K to invest for my newborn daughter. Congratulations. Don't want to touch it until she's 18. Where and how should I invest? Jacob, just so you know, we're going to frame this question as in, we didn't get any of your personal circumstances. So we're going to say, how do you invest for kids? That's basically, or how would we invest for kids? We're going to keep it general in nature, just so you know, mate. So how would I invest in kids? For me, it's quite simple. Um, I There are some apps that are appearing now that tend to do this quite well. To be honest, I'd identify in, like how I did it for my sister is identified, which in my, my partner and I had the lowest tax and open a brokerage account and invest in a diversified portfolio. That's what I did. Um, 
and then you can also hold it on trust. It's not as complicated as it sounds. If you Google investing for kids, someone will have some sort of thing out there and your broker can will also have guides on that. And just pocket the 20 and give it to the kid when she's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't give it to her. No. 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 Uh, I mean, with most clients, I'd usually say, well, it depends on, on if it's a grandparent <clears throat> or your daughter. A lot of the times, you might be actually better off just leaving in your offset account and maybe tracking the returns, depending on what your financial position is and, and giving them a lump sum later on if you if you really want to. Mm. Um because if your interest rate six percent, you're saving six percent on that. Uh, but alternatively, I'd usually set up as trust as trustee for and something <clears throat> not boring, but buy a, an LIC or a, a diversified ETF. Yeah, with growth. Yeah, you got eighteen years. Don't even worry about low risk investments. Just put it into equities. Yeah, yep, agreed. And maybe Fang. Maybe Fang. Oh no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that because. Yeah, I'm just going to be controversial here. I wouldn't do that because I don't know what Fang becomes in three or four years. I like Fang as Gang. a ta- I like Fang as a tactical ETF. I think it's great. So I do. Full respect, Global Exa uh, Transparency, Global Exa sponsor of our Australian Finance Podcast. But um, yeah, I just, I just five years from now, I don't know what it is. So for me, it's more of a tactical one where yeah. I just go index diversified, really yeah, simple. Yeah. That's what I do. Then I have to sell it or a lick that does the DSSP. Yeah, so that's what I'd be going for. Um, hypoth- and that was a great question, Jacob. We have so many questions come through like that, so thank you. Uh, Hypothetic Hull um, <laughs> says, if I was to transfer my existing HIN-sponsored shares to a second cheaper HIN-sponsored broker, will my DRP and TFN, as in tax file number and dividend reinvestment plan, that I've made the selections for be added in the share registry that I transfer across to? Anything else I should be aware of? Drew, you love technical questions like this. I have a team. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say yes, because usually those things are set at the registry level, not at the HIN level. Mm. But sometimes the changing of broker and HIN can result in a kind of resetting. So I'd always check one, you know, spot check one or two holdings when I change that. Yeah, and that's probably the way to go. Um, Because... you don't select the share registry. The, the the company or ETF provider checks the share re- the ch- picks the share registry. So, uh, it's sh- I would think that it maintains. I can't remember when I did this, if it did or it didn't, because it was quite a while ago. But I'm almost certain it did. It should. Yeah. So that's a great question, hypothetical. Um, it may just be a bit of a clerical thing there, because if you're transferring HIN, it, they're still your shares, and they're still it's just who which broker is aligned through your registry um great question i'm sure a lot of people have done that um so tony from twitter said hey rask i enjoy your podcast and would like to hear your thoughts on BAPCOR. have things settled down since the chief executive daryl abotomy was abruptly sacked do you know much about BAPCOR? aftermarket car parts yes yeah yeah owns person owns auto part uh, autobahn uh business do you know much about it i, I haven't lot. yeah my wi-fi is yeah, <laughs> your Wi-Fi, is, Drew's Wi-Fi is struggling live on here. Um, so uh, I've got to admit, Tony, I don't know a great stocks deal. Stocks up four percent live. Uh, there you go. Stocks up three forty nine going to the close. Going into the close. There you go. That's all probably not really valuable for you because you're going to get this uh, in about sixteen hours after we've recorded it. So, but good analysis there live on here. Um, so with yeah, so with Bapcor, um, if I was you. 
uh, looking at Bapcor, I think one of the bull ca- uh, one of the bear cases for Bapcor is basically the rise of electric vehicles. Um, they do this great chart in there which shows the the flow of used vehicles and the average age of vehicles on the road. Obviously, an aging fleet in, on Australian roads is good for Bapcor. I think it's a really good business. I was really surprised um, when Daryl was had that really kind of awkward exit. Um, not quite as awkward as EML's exit, but um, really awkward nonetheless. If I was looking at the business, probably what I would look for it, or look at is its supply networks, which is the, the business that does exactly the same thing but for buses. And another business that I would look at, which is a smaller business to put all three of them on your radar, is Maxi, Maxi Trend or Maxi Parts, um, listed on the ASX. It's a small cap company, but it does the same thing for trucks. And similar to ARB? N- different in that. ARB is a specialist for 4x4 accessories, but principally bull bars. So bull bars is still its jam. Whereas these businesses, like if you think about it, a truck could have 20,000 parts or whatever. So these three are probably the industry leaders. There's nothing that will probably come in now. You just question the growth rate? Yeah, and that's probably the... If you think about like electric vehicles, fewer parts, that sort of thing, I think that's the concern. Used cars have gone crazy lately, but there's, yeah. a, there's no way that sustains. No, nah, but th- these are tend to be – these businesses often are counter-cyclical because what happens is – Buy less new cars. Buy less new cars, just <coughs> repair your – like I got my old Subaru. That needs to be serviced. It needs a good old, good old service. And that um, – you know, that's four hundred parts need to be changed. <laughs> probably bought an absolute lemon. Let's be honest. Um, so, the, the thing is, yeah, like that, that's where the counter-cyclical elements. I think it's a really impressive business. I just think that um, people are questioning that growth rate, um, and I would I would compare it with the other businesses side by side. I think if now that Daryl has gone, I think if you look at it side by side, supply networks, much more stable management team, incredible business. Um, so go and check that out. And Maxi Parts, I spoke to Rob Miller from Naos recently. With Maxi Parts, slash, yeah, Maxi Parts used to be known Maxi Trans, they sold their trailer business. So they don't do the trailer building, those, you know, for the tippers and all that sort of stuff and the floats. So if you look at the historical results, it looks like rubbish. But just don't, just be mindful that the economics are now a lot better for, for Maxi Parts. Good question. Um, Hugh Harrybeth. Hugh Harrybeth? <laughs> How do you actually purchase bonds, Drew? Are they on an exchange such as Comsec or Selfwealth? I've been investing for around three years and have never really explored it. Thanks, <coughs> Legends. Well, thanks, Hugh Harrybeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the winner this week. <laughs> I, just I don't on. know what it means. Hugh Harrybeth, <clears throat> if you did write that question and you win the Value Investor Program Pass, please send me a message on Twitter or an email, service at ras.com.au. Not Andrew Derrimuth. No, Andrew Derrimuth. No one talks to him anymore. <laughs> uh, broad question. A uh, few different options to add bonds to your portfolio. <clears throat> I've never used them, but there's a thing called an exchange-traded bond. XTB, <clears throat> yep. Exactly, XTB. You can buy them straight off the ASX. There's a website. They've just got a weird code next to them. I think it's XTB. GPT or yeah. something. Uh, you can see all them on their own website. I've never used them. Not sure about liquidity. I'm sure they're fine, but there's quite a narrow group. There's only about 50 or 60, I think, you can buy. Mm-hmm. So what we've always seen is it's difficult to get diversification, particularly in bonds. And diversification in bonds, in our view, is significantly more important because of the asymmetric return profile. So that means the only return you really get from a bond is the interest. 
but you can lose all your capital if it defaults. So that's asymmetric. It's only yep. your, your downside is 100 and your upside is 7% or 6%, whatever it happens to be. Oh, yeah. Ashley O'Connor podcast. I've learned that recently. It's <laughs> just a word we use to sound smart and complicate things. Um. <laughs> no, so basically, yeah, you you can lose 100%, but, but your upside is interest. Yep. And so you want to be diversified. It's this simple. More so than in equities. Yeah. Because yeah. you can make obviously more return than 7% or 6%, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Uh, two key options, ETFs, pre- predominantly index tracking, Vanguard, iShares. Uh, they'll essentially buy a book of, say, six, a share of 600 or so bonds that track an index. That'll be government bonds, corporate bonds. So corporate or credit is something issued by Lend-Lease, Maya, Westpac would be called, considered corporate. And then there's a thing called... Uh, Semi-government, which is actually like state government bonds. Yep. I don't know why it's called semi-government. You just I thought it'd be called state government, but that's ETF. So they just track an index, and they're all generally passive. Uh, and then, depending on what there's, a, I mean, bonds are very broad. It goes from government bonds, corporate bonds, into all kinds of credit hybrids, preference shares. That's when you get a diverse range of funds come out that can invest into all different parts of the asset class, like we talked about with Adam Grotzinger from mm. Newberger, uh, and that can be. Thing, you would have heard of Ping, PIMCO before, Franklin Templeton, Schroders, all those big groups would have actively managed bond strategies. Mm. Um, not a lot on the uh, ASX, so it's generally ETF passive and yeah. active on funds. Yeah, I think we will have a lot more of those come to market, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so you can do, so this, as Drew just articulated, there's a whole spectrum, right? Um, and the ETFs that he mentioned there, predominantly the um, the IAF ETF from iShares, Qualcomm's Bonds, VAF, and the VACF. Um, there is VIF, which is International Fixed Interest as well. Are you taking my notes again? Yeah, I was just reading off your notes there. Because <laughs> I, well, yeah, uh, it's, it's summarizing your uh, question. Your answer. Owen doesn't prepare. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm uh, just winging it. Um, no. I, I yeah I'm the one who sends the questions. Come on, give me a break here. <laughs> Jeez, I feel like I'm in interrogation. <laughs> so um, no, Drew, Drew does very good notes. Um, what well, I mean, what we'd usually do is have a core. If you if it was your first hmm. dabbling into bonds, you go and buy a Vanguard or an iShares as your core. Uh, particularly now, compared to say two years ago, we've had the duration talk before. <laughs> the duration talk. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> thank so you, that's father. The dad <laughs> <laughs> secret men's business. <laughs> Uh, and then we'd usually, you know, complement that with with allocations to different parts of the fixed income or bond market with more active exposures. Yep. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And to be honest, this is the number one thing that I'm going to be thinking about between here and Christmas is... Not your conference. Not, not the... I'm sure everyone will be thrilled if I start talking about duration at the, at the event. So now we're going to go from personal finance through to duration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but uh, this is the number one thing because there's a core allocation. This is the number one thing I think that an asset allocator is thinking about right now is what are the what is what is the reset expectations for interest rates in 2023? You look at bond yields overnight fell 30 basis points from yeah. four to three point seven. That's nearly ten percent. Quick math. Um, so um, I'm not going to check that. But um, so uh, so the key thing that what Drew just said is. Um, Bond yields falling, bond prices going up. So that's where you start to think, well, maybe if I've got a substantial amount in cash, do I make the, the switch? We're going long duration. Oh, you are? You are going long duration? 
We were just uh, talking about off air that if we do make a prediction, we will bring in the ominous sounding music. So there we go. And it's very loud, actually. Rates will fall. Rates. Rates. In 2023. (laughs) So really? You reckon interest rates will fall in 2023? Yeah. Damn, that's some. That's that's pretty contrarian. That's bold. Wait, wait, Aussie rates? Yep. You reckon? You reckon that's going to... So, Could be December 20... <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez, that's a long bow. Okay. Wait, but you... Can I say bond yields will fall? Yeah, well, that's obvious. <laughs> but yeah, backpedaling. Um, okay. Yeah, because I was just about to just drill into this <laughs> for the next 50 minutes. No, so... They've already it? slowed. Like, everyone was predicting... The day of the pre- of the rate hike in November, someone mm. predicted a 50 basis point hike, and we only got 25. Yeah. The, uh, no one knows what the impact of rate hikes is on the economy yet. Yeah, when I was chatting to Kerry from JP Asset Management, he was saying that they were predicting low threes. Yeah. That's it, early yeah. next year. And we're pretty much there. Pretty much there. Thank you. Okay. Um, that'll be interesting because that will stabilize volatility in the market. Investors will come running back. And if our currency rallies too quickly and you know it becomes difficult for exporters again, we'll, we'll have to cut rates. Yep. Interesting. Okay, great. Time, that was time stamp huge. That, that was um, quite the one. Oh, here we go. We've got uh, Professor Eugene Farmer is writing into us. Um, and by the way, Farmer's academic. You can look it up. Um, hi, Owen. Just to me. Jeez. Super thoughtful and helpful podcast. No worries. I have heard you mention the VanEck ETF ASX Qual, Q-U-A-L. Do you think it will continue to outperform the MSCI World Benchmark? Or is this just the factor that has been in favour recently? In brackets, quality looks like it underperformed pre-GFC. Close brackets. And in addition, what do you think of Vanex's newer related ETF, the Quality Small Companies ETF, ASX QSML? Have you looked at QSML? I did last night. Yeah, I haven't actually looked at it that closely, I'm afraid. Um, but in terms of the qual factor... I think the qual factor is a really interesting one. They There is a f- great white paper, Eugene Farmer, given the name, you'll appreciate this, that you can download from the VanEck website, which shows you the types of indicative environments where quality is outperformed versus other factors. The quality factor, for those of you that are playing along at home, is basically a factor. It's like a the variables of a business that give it high quality. So it might be like high returns on equity. It might be high returns on, on capital. Uh, in this case, the Qual ETF is a global ETF that invests in around 300 companies. Low debt. Low debt, uh, high return on equity and stable profits, yep. which would be the sign of a quality business. And so there is another ETF, QLTY, from BetaShares that came out recently, which is probably the BetaShares equivalent, which is slightly lower price, but only has 150 companies. Um, all this is to say that I think the Qual ETF is quite quite a good ETF, and yep. I think you I think you can use it as a core or as a tactical holding if you have a view on the quality factor, which would be quite technical if you did. Yeah. Um, because it has three hundred companies. Apple was one of the biggest holdings, for example. I think it's quite a good ETF. Yeah, I, I've I met the guys from Vanek before, and they talked about how their quality factor had outperformed a lot of quality see, seeking active managers, mm. uh, but at half the cost. Um, that's what that's what they were talking about, but it really depends on the environment, as you were saying. Yeah. Uh, and quality, so consistent earnings, stable, low debt. Uh, generally, it ends up being healthcare, technology, consumer staples like yep. Woolworths. 
and they tend to outperform in a recessionary or a lower growth environment, not one where bond yields are falling, not one where the economy is doing incredibly well. So it kind of depends what, what environment you expect in the next 12 to 18 months. So here's a summary of bivariate analysis of the MISCI quality and sector indices in different economic cycles, which basically means they just test the performance versus risk and return. Um, and so they say you would expect strong outperformance from the quality factor when there's falling inflation and slowing growth or rising inflation and slowing growth. So those are the two things. Whereas if you think about when it probably wouldn't do that well, it's when there's rising growth. Yeah, basically. Because all the cyclicals. Yeah, your energy companies, those companies yeah. that use leverage, yeah. the things that can cash in coal stocks, that sort of stuff. Maybe yeah. coal eventually f flips over, but yeah, that's that's the... So that's coal in quality? Well, if you look at, say, like Whitehaven, if you were... Okay, whoa. Okay, there's a few <laughs> eyes over there. No, but if you think about Whitehaven, for a second, sir. How many UDLs? <laughs> a none. Um, so, um, so, if you think about... Uh, Qual and the way it builds a portfolio, high returns on equity, stable profits, and low debt. Yeah. Or low leverage, right? If oh, they're paying back all their debt. Exactly. They're paying back all their debt. They've got bigger profits, high returns on equity. So a coal stock could eventually fall into the quality factor. And so that's the type of stuff that tends to happen on the back end of this quality cycle. Um, so you could end up with those things in there, and then they become un not very high quality when they exit. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, you, I think for the most part, you could use this ETF as a core. The, the one hesitation I have with it is that, to Drew's point, you can, you can just put it right beside an active manager who invests in quality companies over five years and say, well, what have you done compared to this? But what I would say is that, the, the, I think it's 40 basis points is the, the fee load. So if you want an ultra-low ultra cost um, fee load, it's probably... <clears throat> It's probably still a bit meaty for a core. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you if you're truly passive, when you can get SP 500 for five and two thirds, of that's quality. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get yeah. That's another Micro really Microsoft, good Apple. Yep. All these companies are rated high quality. Yeah. So just to give you a summary of the top holdings, as mm. at uh, the what, when was this? The 31st of October. You got Apple, Microsoft, Johnson and Johnson, United Healthcare, Visa, Nvidia, Alphabet. Mastercard, they'll all be in the S&P 500. Yeah. So you're going to have overlap. You can stick that into uh, the Morningstar X-Ray if you've got access to that, or you can stick it into the Vanguard Fund Compare website, and they'll show you the overlap there. Um, so you don't want to be. You end up with so much quality if you try and stick them all together. Yeah. Or no quality, all because they just blend each other out. It's more if you <clears throat> maybe you've already got a fully full portfolio built like a Fang and your your tactical. So Fang is going to be your growth. Yep. This could be your, your quality and you might have a value factor that you that you're pulling at different different environments rather yep. than changing your core. Yep. I like it. Uh, risk Jeeves. This is the final question. It says gents, if you were given the chance to own or become part of a board of directors of two ASX listed companies, which would you pick and why? Don't say zip. <laughs> Unless you do say... No, they didn't say that. <laughs> I think I'm in trouble for my first tweet in seven years. <laughs> can I get verified now? Yeah, you can. Yeah, eight bucks. Now you yeah. pay. Pay eight dollars. Um, do you want to go, I go, you go? So there's... Um, Am I going to pick yours? Yeah, you try and guess what I'm going to say. Dubba. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> well, you get paid well. Um, no, so... <laughs> 
Nice. <laughs> so, cut that. Um, no, so for me, um, it would probably, like, I would probably say Prometicus because it's such a. <laughs> I was actually going to pick Prometicus, but as, really? if, as if you're ever going to get Sam out. No, no. You just oh, you can work with direct. Sam. Yeah, right, I just want right, to see yeah. them operate. All right. Oh, by the way, Sam, Sorry, Sam. wonderful. Uh, it also listens to the show. Fantastic. Uh, Sam is going to come and be interviewed by, by me live on stage at the, the Rask event. Awesome. Yeah, so it's going to be a real treat to have him there. So thanks for coming <coughs> down, mate. Um, so, yeah, I would, because I just want to see how they operate. And yeah. I want to learn how do they make this incredible business. That's basically it. So that's that's my one. But I'm trying to think what you would go with. <coughs> I feel like You're, you're not going to pick mine. I feel like you're going to say something like, it's not boring, but it kind of is. Both boring. Are we saying ASX? Does it have to be? No, 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 not the ASX company. Oh, oh did I just get that? <laughs> you got it. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say on the ASX, but the AS, you would, really? You would be on the board of the ASX itself. Yeah, well, I, oh, uh, Jeez, I'll have to, <laughs> I have to admit, I don't know much outside the ASX 300. So as soon as we left there, I kind of went, like there's a barbecue company might be interesting or a coat hangers or and I kind of <laughs> lost me. Uh I just thought you look at the ASX and you look at what's happening in finance, in finance, in crypto, in all this. Surely, the ASX can come up with a solution that solves the cost of investing, the platform cost, the all these other costs, and just makes this seamless experience. Chess system. I thought it'd be super interesting. Surely, this should be a fastest growing tech company. Yeah, surely they can't even launch their blockchain settlement or block. Ledger, distributed ledger settlement, but it just seems like there's so much opportunity there. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I didn't expect you to say that, but I guess a finance guy, you probably would. I didn't want to be a go to a fund manager or something that was yeah. too boring. Yeah, there are so many. Um, don't say that too loud. Uh, so there are so many. <laughs> oh, I know too much. <laughs> interesting um, businesses on the ASX, and I would favour just working, like being a fly on the wall at some of these discussions. You're not going to pick my second one. I don't know what your second one is. So I'm just... Wait, so I'll guess your second one. I'll guess yours. Okay, go. I actually already saw it. Oh, you did? I've forgotten it already, though. <laughs> Do you remember? Telstra. No. <laughs> I'd rather not. Um, no, my, se- <laughs> my second one. Uh, you retire from the this board. Is gonna, I feel like this is going to surprise people. Now, I've got to admit, my third option was Sol Pattinson, Washington, Sol Pattinson, just to think like the Milners do and like be in that environment, like that would be very special. But in terms of operating businesses, the business that I'd want to be inside of is actually Cochlear. Yeah. I just think it's an incredible business. I think it's for decades has been an incredible business. And how you protect that position and grow. And grow. While there, you got to deal with insurers, you've got to deal R&D. with regulation, R and D. Like even connecting your cochlear device to your iPhone, yeah. they've got to be aware of what Apple's doing. They've got to be aware of all these businesses and try and also navigate the legal landscape if you know cochlear's history. So, <laughs> so you know, I think that would be a fantastic business. And there are many others. Like even like it sounds boring, but West Farmers would be really interesting too. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm going to guess. You, you would not it, expect this at all. And it's technically, it's probably not part of the ASX company, but it's part of part of. That might help. Block? No. Nah. ResMed? 
trying to think. So of it's an ASX listed company, but it's a division within that ASX listed company. A division within that ASX listed company. Someone's probably screaming through their headphones right now, like this is what it is. Division. I'm not good at trivia. I think green. Well, I think green. Hydrogen. Oh, oh FFI, Future in, uh, Industries or whatever it is. Yeah. From Fortescue. Really? Huh. I don't know why. It just seems <clears throat> whether whether it's deliverable or not, the stuff he's doing, you know, yeah, <clears throat> there was an article this week about how the iron ore but billionaires are the high, one of the biggest polluters in the history of the world yeah. <clears throat> with their businesses. But what is being announced and whether it comes to fruition or not is just super, super interesting in Fortescue Future. You know, the green hydrogen, soul, all, all this kind of complete change in the energy grid, you know, trying to green every part of their process and doing it, hopefully doing it legitimately if it's achievable and true. It's, it's you know, exceptional idea. So. Hmm. Being part of, it's almost like a startup within a long-held billion-dollar business. Cashed up. Yeah, business. <coughs> um, okay, so with, that's the last question. That Risk Jeeves, that was brilliant, actually. It got us really thinking. I'd love everyone to tell, tell us what you think. Like, what would you want to be part of? I think um, those are brilliant. If you do want to hear more about um, Sam Hubert and uh, what Prometicus has built, he'll be coming to the event. And you can also live stream the event on the RAS YouTube channel. It may also be available on the Self Wealth YouTube channel and maybe even a few of our other partners. So you may be able to tune in to the RASC event live, even if you're not in Melbourne and you'll still be able to ask your questions. So um, I, I've actually got a few extra things here, maybe, Drew. And you can just give me a word which sums up how they, how they, what has happened to this thing. So let's start off with one that Is we've already... Obscenity, all right? Mm, no, preferably not. I have right. to put the e on the podcast when I upload it. <laughs> so um, the first one is uh, Disney. What's the family feud sound? Ba boom. <laughs> bum bum. Yeah, so I love Disney. Hold the shares. Uh, they actually. This was kind of strange. No, that's not a single answer. Oh, that was a single answer. That's fine. Is um, that all one word? Is it okay? They just reported like the best annual growth since 1996 but the share price fell 10 percent uh i think they've just had an exceptionally strong couple of years and expectations have kind of got a bit too far ahead yep. and you know similar to everyone else almost like block buying afterpay netflix struggling on valuation concerns well the streaming business costs a lot of money cannibalize their own business and it was great during the pandemic but now everyone wants cash flow and they don't have the cash flow so being sold off Fair enough. Uh, how, what would you say if you could describe um, what happened with FTX, the crypto platform, this week? If you maybe if you gave it a score out of interesting or I say not shocked, not shocked. Yeah, two words that works. Without being negative, it just seems. I think there there's always there's more regulation is needed in crypto. I'm not against not. Or not neither neither way on it. It just uh, there just seems to be a lot of moving parts and not a lot of checks and balances in in things like exchanges. The crazy thing is, we all call for we all call for and then it comes regulation, and then everyone's like, "But it's you know, it's not regulated." That's what's so good about it. And everyone's yeah. like, "Yeah, well, do you want the regulation or not?" Because normally the the bank would, like a central bank would step in and save it in exchange. Yeah, like that's this. what we're talking about, wasn't it? Over, yeah. over the pizza. Yeah, and it's not. So, 
that's the risk that you run, unfortunately. And it kind of sets back what were probably potentially good assets and you know platforms for five or ten years. And my other concern is that if this was your kind of first experience in investing going into crypto, well, it might put people off or slow them down for the next five, ten years where you want the complete opposite. And this is the thing that this is the case that was made by Tom Richardson, my old colleague in AFR. He said, at least if something goes, you know, bust, you own the assets of the business. Whereas in these types of things, if they go bust, it vanishes yeah. from digital air. So, um, yeah, if you do, if you, to Drew's point, if you have invested in some of these crypto assets, like it's, yeah, I mean, you're going to get, uh, the social media is a bit of a toxic environment. But um, the thing to remember is that that that's this is not investing this is not indicative of investing yeah it's not the typical experience no so we've been doing this a long time and you get you get bad experiences like we've got uh, a few names which shall not be named but have been named in this podcast so far uh and we don't talk about them that much but uh they're a bit of fun you can laugh about them but that doesn't happen that often for the most part if you invest in a diversified portfolio for the long term that is the single best way to grow wealthy um and over 150 years of history will back that up so um, not indicative, it's hard, uh, hard lesson. I don't trust any of those uh, platforms personally. Yeah. Uh, I have my tiny little NFT through OpenSea um, and you can transfer it anywhere at any time because uh, it's non-custodial, which makes sense for me. So uh, that's my little thing there. Um, Drew says, don't forget, never been a better time to invest. <laughs> Drew, mate, this is heaps of fun. If you have any questions, please send them through to uh, the Ask a Question link, which is everywhere on the RAS websites in the menu. Uh, it will also be in your podcast player or in the show notes wherever you get this. So, Drew, thanks for taking the time to join me this week. Have a great weekend and I'll see you next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.